there's value in learning this basic five paragraph model and knowing what it is, being able to do it on demand, knowing it well enough you could teach it to someone. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, this is April, and I know that means many things for us here at IEW, but I have to let our listeners know what a jokester you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so good at it without we and we we fall for it every time. And of course, I'm talking about the April Fool's joke that you pulled on us. Well, no, this not year. everybody falls every time. You got to catch the new employees, the true. new team members that haven't experienced my previous jokes. This is true. So. He doesn't do it every year, but this year was pretty good because it was believable. Uh-huh. Apple Computer noticed IEW yeah. and was going to give away. Yeah, they were. We we were chosen by Apple Computer right. as a showcase educational publisher. I loved that. I, I was. I was. I believed it. Yeah. And I went to click on the link because Andrew said that they were giving us all a free iPhone. Yeah. Ten. Ten. The 10 newest. Yeah, yeah. The best one available. And so I clicked on the link, and of course, it was a CNN article about April Fool's yeah, pranks. And yeah. I thought, oh, Are you kidding me? I fell for this again. So. <laughs> but I learned a new skill in the process. How to create a hyperlink? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I will say that some of our staff was afraid to click on the link because it looked a little spamish. A little fishy, yeah. <laughs> I should have made it a little more, a little more personal. But it's better than like me going to jail for tax evasion. That, that was, was one of them, That was about yes. six years ago. And then uh, two years ago, um, I said Betsy DeVos had asked me to come and serve as Undersecretary of Education for School Improvement. Right. And, and I was going to, you know— Turn over the company to you and move to Washington <laughs> D.C. and and that that worked so well. People outside the company got r- word of it and started to spread a rumor, and so I had to quash that one. But so, if the Trump administration is listening, yes, Andrew would love to help out in the Department of Education, but I'm not so sure IEW people could stand to lose you, Andrew. <laughs> I'm not sure I could tolerate moving to D.C. But. So, in addition to April Fool's antics. April is also four. Well, usually, if people on the one-a-month schedule, Unit 8. Unit 8. Essays. Yes. Yeah. Kind of the the capstone of everything, your favorite unit. Is it your favorite unit? Well, I think it is perhaps one of the most important things to attend to. Mm-hmm. In a way, it is the goal of the structure and style syllabus. Right. Because on the even side right? Unit two, if you're working with factual information, but certainly units four, reports, unit six, research, you're practicing the skill of how to collect collect up and organize and present facts. Mm-hmm. So you're just moving facts from here to there. And that's a very important skill. Right. Um, but, but we can't stop there, right? On unit 
three, five, and seven, we're working with uh, the creative side, the inventive side, the ability of the student to ask questions, find answers to those questions, and then articulate those ideas uh, on into words on mm -hmm. paper. So, you know, on one side, it's it's external information; the facts are outside your brain, mm -hmm. and and then the other side, it's it's notes from your brain. Mm -hmm. Unit eight is where those essentially begin to integrate. Okay. So the way you responded right now makes me think of a question that we, I wouldn't say often get, but occasionally get. Why do we do the two, three, four, five? Wouldn't it be better just to do all the even units and all the odd units? Well, that would be possible. And I've talked to a couple teachers who've tried that, but I don't think it it's quite as effective, quite as powerful. I think there was kind of a genius to the way Webster put this together, whether he did it consciously or through divine inspiration, or I, I don't know how he came up with it, probably very practical. He's a very practical person. And uh, what he noticed is that some kids prefer kind of the imaginative, creative, mm -hmm. more free world. And some kids prefer not to be stressed on how to, you know, imagine stuff and be creative. They really are comfortable in the world of, of facts. And so when you have a group of children um, and you alternate through the units, mm -hmm. then everybody gets a little bit of both sides, but it's not kind of like nonstop. Right. You know, so me, for example, if, if I had to do units three, five, and seven nonstop for three months, four months, I, I would be tired and wanting to get out of there. Uh, <laughs> just can I please go find some facts from an encyclopedia and tell them to you, you know, whereas other kids. And, and I would be in that <clears throat> camp, you know, I'm sure. We've got a few <laughs> that we know who if you had them doing reports and then research and then essays for three months nonstop, mm -hmm. They, they kind of would just burn out on it and say, can't we have some fun? Right. So this uh, is, I think, a brilliant way to develop both sides of mm -hmm. that skill spectrum, not in tandem, but alternating so that nothing grows stale. There's always something new for the next month, and then the skills are there. If you were just to go unit four, six, eight, then when you get to unit eight, well, you're going to ask the students to tell what they think about those facts. Well, they may or may not have that capacity, that that ability to have much to mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. about those facts. Whereas if you work with the units 3, 5, and 7, then that habit of asking yourself questions will be more developed and then readily applicable when you get into the world of essays, in particular, the first few essays where you're uh, looking in the conclusion for the student to say, okay, what what do you think about that? What's the significance? What's the value? What's the application? What's your opinion? Right. Without saying, I think. <laughs> right. Without saying I, you have to give your opinion. So for our listeners that may not be familiar with Unit 8, can you just give the basic essay model? Sure. Well, we begin with the traditional five-paragraph essay, Webster learned this as a kid from mm -hmm. his mother, and we're talking about almost 100 <laughs> years ago now. It's a very old model. 
it is in its simplest form uh, an iteration of the Aristotelian rhetoric idea where you introduce something, you propose a subject, you ask a question, you state a thesis, and then you have supporting material. And then you would restate, you would answer, you would emphasize uh, at the end. So there's there's this idea of embedded repetition mm-hmm. that is part of the Unit 8 model. As I said, it's been around for a very long time. Uh, there are people who've written entire books on how to do, you know, a five-paragraph essay. Sure. Uh, so that's where we begin, and I always like to let people know up front, uh, that's where we begin. Right. Because we have extensions off this model, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how far back the criticism may go, mm-hmm. but from time to time, a criticism of five-paragraph essays arises, and people will attack the thing and say, well, it's too formulaic. It's too repetitious. It's redundant. Uh, It's boring because it's predictable. Uh, Nobody uses it in the real world, which is actually not quite true. And so you shouldn't do that. Uh, it's, It's too cliched. So that type of criticism arises. And to a person who... Uh, is kind of new to the whole world of teaching writing to their kids or other people's children, and they hear that, they might be afraid. Like, oh, no, I'm I'm doing it wrong. Somebody right. says this is bad. Right. So part of what, you know, we try to build into the Unit 8 is an understanding of this is a, a very old tradition, and there's value in learning this basic five-paragraph model And knowing what it is, being able to do it on demand, knowing it well enough you could teach it to someone, Mm -hmm. and then being able to move on from that. Right. And, you know, even as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own first job. Do you know what I did when I was a teenager? Um, You worked at Albertsons. That was actually after my first job. Oh, I don't know your first first job. I was a swimming instructor. Oh. And we taught kids... From three years old all the way up through high school, how to swim. And you start with basically front crawl. Uh And in a way, that's like the five-paragraph essay. Once you know how to do front crawl, then you can learn backstroke, butterfly, you know, you can swim on a swim team. Mm -hmm. Or maybe go into synchronized swimming or, you know, whatever it is. But you need that first experience, that first skill of knowing front crawl to be able to do anything else. Yeah. And so there we go. And, you know, we see this um, fallacy, if you will, in in a lot of areas of education. I, I sometimes have called it the adult-child fallacy, mm-hmm. which is, oh, well, adults don't do it that way. Therefore, we shouldn't teach children that mm-hmm. way. You know, we see this in the, in the whole phonics dispute. Right. Adults don't sound out words. We just look at them and know what they are. So why waste time teaching phonics? Just show children the word and tell them what it is, and that should work. Well, that doesn't work. Why? Because adults and children are different. Mm-hmm. Same thing, yes. People who write editorials or do high-level writing don't usually use five-paragraph essay model. But that doesn't mean it isn't a good thing to have learned. Right. And so that's kind of the apologetic that we have to have. And then if you if you have and you understand one structure, then you can have – 
variations on that structure. Right. So yes, we start with the introduction. We give the you know attention getter background information. We teach that very similar to what we would have done in Unit Seven mm-hmm. if we have the five paragraphs. Uh, state the three topics. If you have a thesis or a question, you can frame that in the introduction. Although I recommend, and and I've seen this again and again and again and again and again, it's best to write the first paragraph last. Right. And you know, we can talk more about that in a minute. Uh, so that introduction. Then you have three body paragraphs, each which has a specific topic. So mm-hmm. you have one cause of that war or whatever. You have one reason as to why this is so. You have one aspect of that animal's... You're learning to use the skills developed in Unit 4 and 6. You have a subject. You divide the subject into topics. You choose the number of topics you need. Hopefully those topics are related, relevant to each other in some way. And now you're going to apply that to the Unit 8. Right. So your example that you just gave, the war, the... Uh, animal, those are not, that's not in the same essay. Those are not related. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I mean, you, if you're writing about a war, you have causes of war, you have battles in a war, mm-hmm. you have generals in a war. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're writing about people, mm-hmm. you know, you can look at periods of their life, early life, middle life, later life, or you could look at things they did, three mm-hmm. important contributions or or something. So you're, you're taking that subject, dividing it into three, and then you have your body paragraphs. And, and that's just going to be unit four or six. You're, you're taking information from various sources, encyclopedic, online, uh, real books, if people can find them anymore. <laughs> um, and then in the conclusion, that's where you would restate the topics. So there's that embedded repetition from the, the old, old ancient rhetoric idea. If you had a thesis, you're restating that thesis. If you didn't, you're you're taking something to amplify and say, of all that I told you about this, what's the most important thing and why? And good speakers will often do this. You know, people listen to, you know, pastors give sermons sure. or go to conferences. And a, a good speaker will usually at the end say, mm-hmm. and now the one thing you should really remember from all that I told you for the mm-hmm. last 40 minutes is this. And then hopefully they go out and don't forget the most important thing. Right. <laughs> so that's that's kind of that rhetorical approach, uh, using that that emphasis at the end. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a starting point. It's a starting point. Good. So unit eight is an essay. Unit six is a report. Unit four is a report as well. Research report. What's the difference between a report and an essay? Yeah, I get that question and. Uh, I think it's it's very convenient when you look at our models. You can see that the unit eight adds something, and that is, what's your opinion? What mm. do you think? What uh, of all those things that you said, what should really be the most important, the most significant, the most relevant? And so we gradually shift from report to essay, and crossing the line is when you add in that most mm-hmm. in the conclusion. And so we actually put that on the cl- on the checklist, right? Right. Conclusion contains the word most. Mm-hmm. So if you start out with young children, you may begin with a subject like an animal. Um, animals are very easy to write about. Mm-hmm. There's tons of information. It comes in all different reading levels and flavors with nice pictures and it's very comfortable for young children to write about animals. They love animals. 
And it's easy to collect up the facts. It's a little bit hard to have an opinion about an animal. I mean, you know, what's your opinion about seals? <laughs> They're cute. You know, I mean, what do you say, right? They uh, smell. <laughs> okay. So so that's where the most comes in to mm -hmm. the picture. So you, you gave a bunch of facts about seals. And now in the conclusion, you force an opinion and you say the most important thing about seals is... Don't then, keep them for a pet because they smell. Yeah, but the kid's <laughs> going to say, I don't know. Right. Okay, well, just read what you wrote, mm -hmm. look at the facts, and pick something. Right. And just choose. I mean, it doesn't really terribly matter. It's, mm -hmm. an, it's an opinion. You can't be wrong here. Mm -hmm. right? The most important thing about seals is they eat fish. There okay, you go. now, why? Right? So we have that most important thing and why. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why is it important that seals eat fish? If seals didn't eat fish, the fish would reproduce too rapidly and the oceans would be overpopulated with fish. <laughs> and this would be an ecological disaster. I don't know. Says a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And the most important thing about seals is they're trainable. Mm. Okay. Why is that important? Because then when you go to SeaWorld or the aquarium – you can laugh and enjoy seals, and they bring happiness to children all over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, whatever you say, but you force that. Okay, so that's easy. Uh, you know, that same kind of elementary stage, uh, I think we would put animals, states. You know, if you're in the U.S., you generally have to research a state. Mm -hmm. uh, often it's part of the fourth grade curriculum to research the state you live in. Um, countries. Countries are a little more difficult than states just because they're messier. Mm -hmm. The states all kind of run in parallel. They mm -hmm. have similar topics, right? An economy, an agriculture, an industry, a political system, you know, landmarks, history, natural features. Those are fairly predictable. Countries are a little bit more diverse. But for the most part, those are fairly safe. You can teach animals, states, and countries um, in that kind of, I would say, upper elementary getting into middle school, as a safe way to do a unit eight. Mm -hmm. And then you just force an opinion by saying, of all that you told me about that, you know, what's the most important thing? And then we move into the next stage, really, where things aren't quite so easy to collect up and organize the facts, but they might be a little easier to have an opinion about. Okay. So people, right, uh, things – and maybe events. Okay. Right? So people, things, and events, they're not going to run in parallel uh, quite the same way as animals would. People are just more diverse. Mm -hmm. Events, uh, you know, usually things like wars or discoveries, um, things that end up in history books. Things could be anywhere from, well, who knows? Penicillin to the Statue of Liberty, you know, the Apollo space program, the, the technology in the classroom, the first people to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, it could be almost anything, mm -hmm. and there you're going to have to think a little harder in the conclusion. Okay. So, uh, what was the most significant thing about the Apollo space program? Well, they went to the moon. They went to the moon, or the science that required them to do that 
added benefit mm-hmm. to other areas of people's lives or mm-hmm. you know, what was the most significant thing about that person? Well, that could definitely be a case where now your opinion is going to be different than other people's opinion. Uh, some people in history are lauded by some and reviled by others. Right. Uh, so this is where you can, I think in middle school, works very nicely, mm. you can begin to say, okay, so if you have a particular opinion about this person or this event or this thing, now go and collect up some facts and information that will support your opinion, right? Uh, so if you have an opinion that, uh, you know, this guy in history was a marvelous, fantastic guy who made the world a better place, well, go find the information that supports that. If you have an opinion that this guy was, you know, a bloodthirsty, vicious, violent conqueror who, you know, harmed countless innocent people in his selfish desire to accumulate power, well, you probably can go find some facts to Mm -hmm. support that idea as well. And so this idea then is you would choose your topics, you would select your topics to support the opinion you would have. So this would be kind of stage two, right? And so children will realize, students will realize that other people can do this too. Right. Choose certain facts or topics to influence the reader's impression or opinion or view of someone. So basically we're training them to recognize bias. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good, a good – it's, it's something that children are going to have to face at some point or mm-hmm. another. You know, it's interesting. We, we have this kind of these buzzwords in the world of education, mm-hmm. critical thinking. Right. But everybody wants it, but it's very hard to define, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what is critical thinking? Well – to criticize, to critique means to judge. Mm-hmm. To judge means you have to have ability to discern, right, and see truth and untruth, completeness, incompleteness, looking out for uh, an, a fuller understanding of things so that you can judge rightly. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, a an interesting place. And of course, Kids that age, if you're doing this with kids, you know, seventh, eighth grade, they're just wired for this kind of thing. So that would be stage two. Uh, Stage three is uh, very often what we would uh, encounter in high school uh, where they really want to push an essay with a thesis. Okay. Right. So here's a thing that you have to prove. Right. So you're going to make your statement. And then you're going to go find the supporting evidence mm-hmm. and prove a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is often done in the world of literary analysis. And in a lot of cases in schools, writing is kind of left to the English teachers. Right. You know, the history people aren't as inclined to give detailed instructions on how to write a history paper. But yet we're really grateful that... Our favorite history professor, Dr. Webster, <laughs> did that very thing. Did that, yes. But very often, it's the English teachers to whom the task of teaching writing falls. And what's their material? Mm-hmm. Literature. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try to get the kids to write about what they're reading. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that works well. Sometimes it's, it's harder. But that's kind of a safe world where you can read something 
and have some kind of thesis. Somebody should or should have not done what they did, or uh, the author was trying to do this or that, mm-hmm. or the the characters did or did not understand something. And so you get these kind of thesis statement discussions. Right. And then let's pull examples from the source text. Right. Right. It's examples yeah. from the text to support that. And the specific exercise of literary analysis, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit in May. Yes. As a, you know, tagging on to our unit nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where we put it. But mm-hmm. in this development of the essayist, right. it often follows there in oh. what I might say, you know, stage three, mm-hmm. typical of what kids would encounter in high school. Okay. Uh, and then stage four is really where you've moved from mostly fact and a little bit of opinion to now a lot of opinion. Okay. And that would be an issue. Oh. So you're writing about a specific issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you know something that people debate in the world, human cloning research, mm. uh, genetically modified foods, mm-hmm. use of technology in mm-hmm. schools. Mm, um, right. You know, you, you can... You can start with really mild stuff mm-hmm. like should gum chewing be allowed in class and you can get to really huge life sh- earth shattering things, mm-hmm. you know, like pro-choice, yeah. pro-life. Yeah. I suggest that you start with kind of the less overwhelmingly morally significant things. Right. Start with something that is um, not horribly important. Um, which is a better pet, you know, a cat or a dog, right? and then work, you know, towards it. But it's interesting because kids in that age range are starting to have some strong opinions. Mm-hmm. And this is where you, you actually work with the intention to persuade a reader right. on a particular issue. Mm-hmm. And so you're now choosing your topics to be strategic. Mm-hmm. So you acknowledge the opposing view. You bring in the facts, you hit with your big guns reason, and then in the conclusion, you argue by discrediting the con, reaffirming the pro of your position. So uh, that persuasive model, uh, I think, is really kind of the the end goal of Unit 8. Mm-hmm. And it serves kids very, very well. Right. Because when they we, – we've had how many hundreds, if not thousands of stories – of parents whose kids went off to this university or that college and got A's on their papers right. and di- in a way didn't even know how they did so well uh, because they had the background here. Right. They knew how to collect up, organize, present ideas. They could adjust the models they had in their in their experience mm-hmm. to meet the needs of some other professor, some other teacher. Uh, and they had that natural understanding of how to progress with an idea to write a, a real essay, to write a paper that has a point. Right. When What I love about IEW, and I experienced this myself when I went on to get my master's That's degree, right, yeah. is the professors didn't always have a clear expectation of how to do the essay. They just expected that we knew how to do it. But because of my experience with IEW, I knew how to do it, and I know that we're out of time, but I'm hoping that we can spend some time next week talking about some of these more advanced models that are a part of Unit 8, that are an extension of Unit 8, 
perhaps maybe unpacking the persuasive model that you just mentioned. Sure, yeah. And those variations are very important mm-hmm. because that's what gets us past yep. the, you know, narrow criticism yep. of don't teach kids five-paragraph essays because they're horrible. Right. So, yeah, let's do it. All right. Talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.